This is our number two of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. We are broadcast on 23 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours. This is the program that is right far more often than any other radio talk show in America, which unfortunately, Leah Brandon, doesn't say very much. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Where did you get that stat from? <laughs> I made it up, but it's not tough. It's not even close. It's not even close anymore. Because you know, it's really true. Because the, because the rest of talk radio is so pathetic. <laughs> I mean, that's the, not because we're that great, just because everybody else is completely in the tank. It's just flat out ridiculous. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, and by the way, there's further proof of that. Uh, not proof, but certainly an indication of that. Uh, you may recall last week, Leah, although I never know what you remember and what you don't remember because this is past your bedtime. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you remember that I stated last week that when Donald Trump's campaign claimed that he had paid off his 40 or 45, no one really seems to know what the number is, the 40 or $45 million loan Alone, yes. that he gave his campaign during the primary, when the campaign said, no, 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 do not worry, do not worry. People were about to bombard with fundraising emails for the next several days until the month of June is over. Do not worry about sending us your money because our candidate is not profiting from your donations because he is forgiven the loan he gave the campaign during the primaries. Now, for every single candidacy in the history of the United States of America, that would have been good enough. By the way, even Hillary's. Even though she's a lying sack of crap, if Hillary's campaign said that, I would believe it. Why? Because, not because they don't want to lie, because it's a lie that they normally wouldn't think they could get away with. Donald Trump is living in a different world. And I said last week, because by the way, he's been lying his whole life and getting away with it. But that's why he knows the media is a bunch of idiots right. Because he's been lying his whole life and no one has investigated him, really. A couple people have. But by and large, he's been able to not only get away with it, but benefit from this fraudulent narrative he's created about his life. So that's why he knows the news media is incompetent and, and corrupt. And he's right about that. But I digress. So back to what I said last week. I said, I don't believe Donald <laughs> Trump. Now, that's a pretty brazen statement for, for this type of subject matter. And I was pretty certain that Trump's campaign was lying. And the reason why was a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think Trump has that kind of money. More importantly. Well, you've said that from the beginning. And everything has indicated I'm right. Because mm -hmm. if, he, if he did have the money he claims, his campaign wouldn't have $1.3 million at the end of last month. That, that would not be possible when you've won the nomination. You've got a once-in-a-lifetime shot at the age of 70 to be president of the United States. You're worth $10 billion, and there's You're only— You're going all in. Yeah, there's, and there's only $1.3 million in your account? Seriously? That's mm -hmm. not possible unless—unless unless you're, not, you're not swimming in cash. So the, the, the cash issue was number one. But number two, I said— if this was really true that they had forgiven the loans, that Trump would have made that statement himself. He right. would have Instead of sending out the campaign surrogate. Right. He would have done it on camera. 
And he would have said, <laughs> of course he would. Right? Because that's the way Trump works. That's the way and, he is. And, very Trumpy of him. And he would have said, believe me, I am super rich. <laughs> I've got so much money. In fact, if I wanted to repay the loan right now, if I if I forgave the loan right now, I could repay myself with what's in my pocket. Believe me. I mean, that that's what he would. Have, that's what Trump would have said. All right. He didn't. He didn't do any of that. And so immediately my BS detector was off. Well, guess who else's BS detector was off? NBC News did an investigation, just a very simple investigation. So is there any indication whatsoever that Trump has repaid the loan? Guess what they found? What did they find, Ziegler? But guess. But Stun me. Stun me. They found nothing. Now, okay, it's possible. Okay. It is possible that the evidence doesn't exist yet. So they asked the, the, the Trump campaign, can you provide some? The Trump campaign basically gave them the middle finger and said, you know, go away. Now, that's not the way you would respond unless, unless the loan hadn't really been repaid. Now, I'm not saying it's never going to be repaid. See, I think Trump's M.O. is this. Say you're going to do something. Mm-hmm. And then if you get called on it, like, for instance, with the donations to the veterans because he skipped the Fox News debate. Remember that? He, yes. But when, when the Washington Post went after him, he says, whoa, this is outrageous that you're not believing me. Of course. I try I, to do something good. Uh, yes. And look what I get. Exactly. <laughs> Very good, Leah Brandon. <laughs> That's exactly right. So then he pays the money. So what I think he's doing is uh, saying he had to say he was repaying the loans because he knew that he was going to spend all week his camp. I mean, I must have gotten a hundred fundraising emails from the Trump campaign. One of which, by the way, was sent. I didn't even tell you this, Leah. One of which was sent through Glenn Beck's The Blaze email service. In other words, Glenn Beck sold his email list to Donald Trump so that Trump could send fundraising emails to his Fans and supporters. I thought that was outrageous. No, come on. Yeah, he did. It's a, I can I can forward you the email if you don't believe. Okay, it. I need to see this. I don't believe that because he cannot stand All right, Donald Leah, Trump. How much would you like to bet on this one? Well, no, no, no. You're really I, doubting me. I'm not me? saying that it didn't come from the blaze. I'm just saying. Glenn Beck himself said, we're going to sell the email list to Donald how, Trump. How, how else would that decision get made, Leah Brandon? Well, I don't think you, Glenn Beck you, you is sitting there Beck, going, huh? You don't, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You don't think someone at the Let's Blaze see. would say, you don't the, think someone at the Blaze would go, gee, I wonder if Glenn should sign off on us selling our email list to Donald Trump so he can solicit fundraising from our supporters. You don't think that would have gone all I the way know, up to Glenn Beck? I need to investigate this personally. Please so do. Why don't you forward at that to me? the next commercial, I will, I will happily forward you the email. All right. Awesome. So, okay. Now, so back to the point. So what I think is happening here is that Trump is saying he's repaying the loan so that people won't be hesitant to send him money in response to these emails he's been bombarding people with because okay. the, the fundraising month was about to end, and they need a big number for June. Yes. If they don't get a big number for June, people are going to be mocking him in, in a right. couple of weeks. So he, he had to remove that impediment to people giving him money. By the way, why is he even asking normal people for money anyway? He's a billionaire. He should be able to do He told us he could do this on his own, but that was a lie. I digress. But he so, didn't save his PGA uh, tournament. 
well, thank well, you and I argued about that. I thought that was another example of why he or proof that he doesn't have any money because you wouldn't be losing. Doral in Florida would not be losing their PGA event if he was loaded because he would just pay for it himself. Tiger Woods did that to save the event in Thousand Oaks for a couple of years when he lost sponsors. All right. Anyway, what I think is happening is that Trump is putting out a trial balloon. He knew he needed to, to say he was repaying the loan mm-hmm. uh, so that people would give him money. And he's going to decide later, based upon two things, how he's doing in the race and how much media pressure he gets as to whether or not he actually goes through and does the paperwork to repay the loan. And let's make mm-hmm. it clear. This is important. This is important for two reasons. If he doesn't repay the loan, the campaign is in big trouble with regard to trying to, to raise money because they got a debt. They got a huge debt hanging over their heads. And, pe- and people are going to presume that money's going to go back into Donald Trump's pocket if he doesn't repay the debt. No- number two, he's effectively profiting from his campaign because he's spending money on his own companies. And he's doing it in, a, in a even more theoretical, nefarious fashion than that because he's taking donations from, from people who are giving him 50 a hundred, maybe two hundred dollars. People who are, are are spending, sending him money that could be used to, to spend money on their grandkids, or birthday, or Christmas gifts, or pay the rent. I mean, these are not rich people. It would, I wouldn't care if he was robbing the super rich blind. I mean, go go ahead, knock yourself out. But he's sending those emails to poor people, and right. he, and theoretically, right now, if he does not pay back that loan. If he does not, let me, let me phrase it correctly. If he if he does not uh, d- decide to to um, forgive that loan, if he does not go through with the paperwork to forgive the loan he gave his campaign for the primary, he is effectively profiting not just from his campaign, but off the donations of poor people who are believing in him as a savior to save us from Hillary and to save this country, and he's duping them, taking their money and effectively putting part of it in his pocket if he does not forgive the loan. That's why I can't stand Donald Trump. Because I, for me to not even, and have reason to not believe him when his campaign says they've forgiven the loan, that says volumes right there. How, how do I, how can I possibly live with myself supporting that person that I don't even believe when they say that for president, even against Hillary? I can't. It's, well, how do I do you know it? What the thing is, I'm so jaded. I believe that every politician puts money in their pocket from poor people. They either do it here or down the road. Right. I mean, you know, okay. I, I know it drives you crazy, um, but for me, it, I, 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 they're all like that to me. So last this night, is no big revelation to well, me. Well, last night on Twitter, I came up with what I think is a revelation about the divide. Okay. The divide between people like me and not necessarily people like you. I don't put you in this category, but uh, the the really strong Trumpster division. Because, I mean, there is. No, I'm not a strong Trumpster. I understand that. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I just said that. But here here's here's the best way I can describe it, because these two groups can never see eye to eye. And here's why. The Trumpster group sees Donald Trump as the Wizard of Oz. OK, he is the all knowing, all powerful who can do magical things and, you know, Dorothy and, and Toto and, and, you know, the, the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow are all seeking salvation from him. And he comes out wisdom, right, right. right. And he comes (laughs) out and, you know, all the smoke and mirrors and it's the big production and, 
they're just bowing in front of him. That's what the Trumpster. That's how the Trumpsters see Donald Trump. That's true. That is really true. I see Donald Trump as the guy behind the curtain, mm-hmm. who is doesn't have a clue. He's a fraud. He's pulling the levers, trying to make sure no one finds him out. And when when he finally does get found out, he has no power to do anything, and he takes off without even Dorothy. That, that that's the that's the Donald Trump I see. And so that divide right there is why Trumpsters and never Trumpsters will never see eye to eye. One sees the Wizard of Oz, the other sees the guy who's pulling the levers behind the curtain. And that's the best way I can describe it. More on this when we come back on the John and Leah show. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Leah, this is a uh, super short segment because I went too long in my outrage in the last segment and with my Wizard of Oz analogy. But uh, I have an update on one of my uh, harebrained schemes. Uh, you, you may recall that uh, almost a year ago I had a, a really sound scheme to take Trump out before he ever got started. Which had, That's to, right. which had to do with um, the golf world uh, turning on him and trying to use that as leverage to scare him out of the race. Because I knew instantly, two days into his candidacy, I knew he was going to be trouble. And I think that was probably my most prescient prediction in all of this, uh, that regardless of whether he won, he was going to make it impossible for the proper candidate to emerge to beat Hillary Clinton. So, but it took an act of Congress, literally. Yeah, I had an act of Congress ready to go, <laughs> but my buddy John Yarmouth, the congressman in Louisville, my guess is he was the one that was writing the letter, and he had Republicans and Democrats on board, and it was all going to work beautifully. My guess, although I've never confirmed this with John, is that the uh, Democratic leadership said, you know what, John, this might be one of those things we just let uh, happen on its own. <laughs> We may we may want to let they this, liked it a little too much. Yeah, we might want to let this Trump thing play out to its mm-hmm. full full extent because uh, it's going to be very very good for us. So I had a secondary plan, and this was a much smaller uh, idea. It was almost more of an experiment than it was an actual plan to take Trump out. But um, I in California, I had three people who were anti-Trumpers try to become delegates to the Republican convention as Trump delegates. In other words, you know, in other, if they got elected as Trump delegates, they would go to Cleveland and then they would be what known be known as what is called a Trojan horse delegate, where right. they might be forced to vote for Trump on the first ballot, but on the second ballot, they would vote for anybody but Trump. And these were three people in three different Congressional districts, one of whom has been a delegate numerous times in the past, one of whom was my wife uh, in a different district than me, and the third person was me. And I thought, you know, this would be an interesting experiment just to see who got picked and who didn't. Because, you know, obviously if they picked me, they didn't do any vetting at all. <laughs> and if they, did, if they picked my wife, they didn't do very much vetting. Well... Uh, I'll tell you about what happened when we come back, because I swear we're up against the clock. And so we'll continue on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And Leah, you know as well as anybody that I don't give up easily. I, I don't go down without a fight. Uh, Beating a dead horse? You've never heard of it. <laughs> well, come on. They're, they're... <laughs> Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> I, sh- I swear. Nothing is over until we decide it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been my attitude about the nomination of Donald oh. Trump. Now, to be fair, to be fair, when I came up with this second harebrained scheme to try to somewhat derail Donald Trump, the, the nomination was still very much in doubt, okay? Because you have to apply to be a delegate in California well before the uh, the actual primary. Now, by the time the primary came around, it was all over because Cruz had withdrawn and and Trump was the nominee. But the plan was, and I did this for two reasons. One, potentially to get some Trojan horse delegates actually to Cleveland. But more importantly, I was curious to see how well the Trump campaign was going to vet their delegates. So You were hoping it would happen nationwide. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, but by the way. it is. I No, no. I guarantee you. I guarantee mm. you that there are Trump delegates going to Cleveland who are vehemently anti-Trump. Now, there's not enough. Oh, to, sure. There's not enough to do anything about it. Uh, so and it's clear the, the party's not going to allow any major revolt. So if Trump wants to be the nominee, he's the nominee. And and I never had any delusions this was actually going to work. But I figured, you know, I, it was at least worth a shot. And I was, again, curious to see whether it would work. So a friend of mine who's been a delegate several times in the past uh, he was in one district. My wife is technically in a different district than I am because, because she doesn't want to serve on jury duty. So she hasn't changed her registration. Don't tell anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so she's still registered at her parents' house. And then okay. I'm, and I was in a third district. And I figured, okay, if they pick me, then we know for sure they have no vetting whatsoever because obviously you just Google my name and I've written numerous very – uh, high-profile and viral columns deriding Donald Trump. Plus, you know, not to mention your Twitter account every ten minutes, right. Every hour okay. of every day. Not quite, but I understand where you're coming from. So, uh, so I would be the ultimate test. My wife would be an interesting test because you know she's a, a fairly young female school teacher, you know, like the perfect delegate, right? So you're thinking she would be. You would think so. Mm-hmm. Right up there, and then the other, the third one was a guy who had been a delegate numerous times in the past. And these, the delegates tend to be people who've been delegates in the past. Although it appears from what I've now found out that the Trump campaign did this completely differently than any other prior campaign, whether it was out of uh, suspicion or paranoia. And in my case, rightful paranoia, (laughs) because this was, you know, this was an underground operation to try to sabotage them. Uh, So here's what ended up happening. And I, and it's frustrating because I, I don't have, a, uh, a logical conclusion to understand what really did or did not transpire. The bottom line is none of the three of us got picked and none of the three of us got picked to be alternates, which really stunned me. Well, because, who did, who did they pick? Well, if I, well, I know who the, the delegates were. The delegates were actually 
far more high-profile people than I um, than I ever expected. But here's the interesting thing. The alternates, I thought, I figured at least one of us would get picked as an alternate because basically what you're asking people to do as alternates is to spend six, seven, eight thousand dollars to go to Cleveland in July. And by the way, the California delegation, because our state means nothing. We get the worst hotels. We're out in literally Sandusky, Ohio, which is like 60 miles from the arena in Cleveland. I mean, it's just going to be horrendous, and you're not even a real delegate. You you have no voting rights unless something happens to, to one of the delegates from your district. So I was stunned when none of the three of us got picked for alternate. So that would mean you would think that I could conclude that, okay, at least the Trump campaign's vetting was good. They were able to, to, to smell us out. Not that it was tough in my case. <laughs> um, it was but you a, gave them credit for this. No, but I, but I can't even do that, and here's why. It might have just been luck, because all three of us were on all of the emails. In other words, they sent out an email, hey, we're about to pick the delegates, we might call you. Hey, we're going to pick the alternates. Are you still in? Do you want to, you, you know, because we want to make sure we don't pick someone that can't go or can't afford to go. And oh, by the way, we all three of us got an email saying you're invited to go as a guest. If you want to go now, if, hmm. if so, if they had hmm. found us out, right, don't you think we would have been taken off the email list? Absolute persona non crime. You would think you would think so. I can't with 100 percent certitude determine, you know, I, I can't determine anything from this experiment. So it was basically a complete waste, except for the fact that we saved a lot of money by not having to go to Cleveland for something that's, you know, it's going to be an interesting event. But it's not going to be, you know, the the uh, open contested convention that a lot of people thought it was going to be a few months ago. All right. Now, um, every week we take at least a quick look at the polls and the polls this week are interesting. And I'm going to say something that I guarantee no one else has said about the polling this week, which is not unusual for the John and Leah show. But this is, uh, I think, significant. So this week, the polling was all over the place. Mm-hmm. There there was one poll that didn't get nearly as much publicity that on it alone, it was a battleground poll of all the key states that Trump has to win, that he would be a major underdog in, states like Ohio and Florida and Pennsylvania, which he absolutely has to win. Other places he's claiming he's going to win but has no shot, like Michigan. It was a battleground poll, and what was interesting about it was they had an, a very good control mechanism, and the control mechanism was they didn't just ask about Trump versus Hillary in those states. They asked about Hillary versus Kasich and Hillary versus Ryan. So they picked two mainstream Republicans, both of whom are a little bit different, both of you know, neither of whom are considered far right, uh, and both are definitely considered to be qualified for the position theoretically. And guess what they found? They found that Trump is getting his clock cleaned in every single one of these states by every single measure. And oh, by the way, Ryan and Kasich would be beating her in yeah. almost all those states. So nothing's so, changed. No, no, but no, no, no. That's that is that to me is an incredibly damning poll. But it didn't get much publicity. One because the media doesn't really like that narrative right now because they they want the faux drama. They don't want to put this thing to bed because they're expecting boffo ratings in the summer and the fall. And if it's perceived that this thing is over, that's not good. Also, the polling firm is not well known. The poll that got the most publicity this week, and I think this was by design, was a poll by Rasmussen that broke Donald Trump's 
pole losing streak nationwide, 21 straight polls he lost, almost all of which he had less than 41, 42% of the vote, and some of which he got crushed in. All of a sudden, out of the blue, just before holiday weekend, but just in time to get enough publicity before the holiday weekend, Rasmussen comes out and says, wow, Eureka, Donald Trump is winning, and he's winning by four points. But remarkably, there's an incredibly large percentage of undecideds so that we are not vulnerable to potentially having said that Trump was going to get 52% of the vote and he ends up getting 39% in November. We're safe because if we say that Trump is going to get 43% and he ends up getting 39% in November, we're only off by four percentage points. So what if he got crushed? All the undecideds went over to Hillary. And oh, by the way, in the short run, guess which website linked that poll as the top story <sighs> for an entire day. Well, guess which one, Leah? Oh, boy, that's a real tough one. Was it Drudge? Yes, it was the Drudge Report. So, and by the way, I, I'm, I'm curious, the people who the people who only get, God forbid that there are people in this category, but I'm presuming somebody in the, you know, like this exists. If you only got your news from the Drudge Report and you suddenly saw a poll headlining the Drudge Report, Trump takes the lead. You know, a very triumphant photo of Donald with his Make America Great Again red hat and, you know, thumbs up and Rasmussen up by four. If you only got your news from the Drudge Report, you must be thinking, Trump was losing? What? What? How did that happen? When was Trump losing? I never saw any polls that indicated Trump was losing because Drudge hasn't talked about any polls for months ever since yeah. he won the nomination. I truly believe, and it's not a conspiracy, although this is close to a conspiracy. I I believe that Rasmussen manufactured those results simply because they knew Drudge would link to it. It would get massive traffic, big attention. Probably. And it is. And what difference at this point? Does it make? What difference at this point does it make? It actually does make a big difference because the perception of who is winning is vital to how events are perceived. I've said this numerous times that Trump needs to at least be close, if not winning. Otherwise, his attacks have no impact. And so that's one of the reasons why it's important. I believe that the Rasmussen poll is a fraud, by the way, if you just look at the internals of it. <laughs> yeah, I believe that uh, Trump's up by four. If I also believe that Hillary is only winning 45% of the female vote and Trump is beating Hillary among non-black minorities. Good luck. Good luck with that, ladies and gentlemen. Good luck. Uh, if you really believe that, you know, I, I'm sure you're going to buy some from some swamp land from Trump. Uh, in New Jersey, because that's ridiculous. That's just it's just flat out ridiculous. There's no way. There's no way that that is true. And so the Rasmussen poll should be thrown out. Um, I do not believe that Trump is getting crushed because I don't think the Sanders people have come home yet. And, you know, let's face it. Oh, they're coming home. They will eventually. And let's face it. I mean, Hillary is incredibly unpopular. That's what that's the real tragedy of all this. She is a horrendous candidate who's incredibly vulnerable. Her numbers suck. Right. Against anybody else right. but Donald Trump. That's I mean, what's that's so what, sad. That's what we've been talking about for a year. Those polls that you read tonight with Ryan uh, and Kasich are no different 
than than what they were one year ago. Everyone beat Clinton. Everyone except for Donald Trump. And for those Trumpsters, and I see this all the time on social media, who say, but John, but John, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, if if Hillary wins, we'll lose the Supreme Court for, for the rest of our lives. Absolutely true. Guess what? If that was so important to you, and it should have been, maybe you should have chosen a little more wisely when it came to who would get the opportunity to choose those Supreme Court justices. Maybe when Scalia died, that should have also been the death of this Donald Trump temper tantrum. Unfortunately, it wasn't because a lot of people were under the delusion, oh, she'll be indicted or the polls are wrong or Trump. They're skewed. Will, They're skewed. Trump will crush her in the debates. All this, all this <laughs> absurdity, uh, none of which I believe is true. This week I will be out with a column for Mediate. I'm going to be writing a lot more columns for them, it looks like, in the near future, if not the long term, uh, about why it is that uh, Trump is still a decided underdog. So you'll make sure you take a look at that on my Twitter and Facebook uh, feed as well as at freespeechbroadcasting.com. All right, that's our weekly look at the race of the White House 2016. Lots more to come on this edition of the John and Leah Show. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In the next hour, it'll officially be the 4th of July on the East Coast. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well as some of the things going on on in our bizarre lives. Because Leah Brandon tells me that she has completely altered the entire landscape of her life. I have. So I want to find out about that uh, in hour number three. But first, Leah... I have to talk about what is probably my favorite story of the week. It's okay. uh, based uh, here in the Los Angeles area. And I think you know, this goes to what I think is becoming a far more prevalent phenomenon than anyone in the news media would ever even dream of being willing to admit, because if they did, it would shatter uh, so many different narratives, so many different liberal narratives that, that are complete bullcrap. Uh, but here's a story uh, out of Los Angeles in the New York Times. It did get reported in the Times, though it's a very small article and certainly was not uh, prominently placed. A popular host of YouTube videos about... Is that you? No. <laughs> no. No, if the New York Times ever... Hold on a second. Let's be clear. If the New York Times ever wrote about John Ziegler again, the first line would not be a popular host of YouTube videos. I'm not exactly sure what it would be, but that's not what it would be. The word popular would not be in there, and I'm Whoa, sure... Whoa, it sure... would definitely be there. Yeah, there would something negative would be in the first uh, couple syllables, for sure. <laughs> Just checking. All Just right. checking. A popular host of YouTube videos about gay rights was charged. What? Was charged in Los Angeles this week with filing, get this, a false report about being severely beaten outside of a gay club. Ah, yes, one of these. The host, Caleb McSwiggin, which I hope is not his real name. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Callum McSwiggin, 26 years old, told L.A. Sheriff's deputies that he had been left with three broken teeth and six stitches in his forehead after mm-hmm. he had been beaten by three men early on Monday. 
This according to a post on his Instagram account. Quote, the authorities should have been there to help and protect me, but instead they treated me like a second-class citizen. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, uh -oh. here it goes. Oh, he's gay. He's gey, right? That's what how the post read. This was accompanied by a photo of Mr. McSwiggin in a hospital bed with a bandage on his forehead. He said he quote <laughs> never felt so terrified to be a gay man in the public eye because it can be terrifying in this day and age, especially not just in Los Angeles. For some reason, this story doesn't mention it. This didn't just happen in Los Angeles, Leah. This happened allegedly in West Hollywood. Oh, my gosh. Your BS detector's on a 10. Um, It's 11. It goes all the way to 11 immediately. (laughs) I mean, all the way. It has to, right? Once the White House has been bathed in a rainbow, we're not buying this anymore. Right. And just so people know, you know, West Hollywood is basically the gay capital of the United States, other than maybe San Francisco. But, you know, every year on Halloween, they have this massive... Uh, it's the gay, gay mecca. Gay mecca. It's the gay so, mecca. So, so to, to go back to your BS detector. These go to 11. Yeah, this one goes to 11. <laughs> uh, that, that Immediately, there's no possible way. There is no possible way that in West Hollywood, three guys beat up a dude for being gay outside of a bar in public. Um, but the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department said in a statement that Mr. McSwiggin had no visible injuries and that it could not substantiate his account. The Sheriff's Department said that he had been taken into custody after deputies saw him vandalizing a car and providing ah. a booking photo in which no facial injuries could be seen. Mm-hmm. Mr. McSwiggin was later seen hitting himself with the handle and receiver of a payphone at the jail and was taken uh. to a hospital. <laughs> he was charged with a misdemeanor count of false report of a criminal offense. Now, really? now, in, in what, of course, there's, there's several aspects to this that are important. Number one, this is not unusual, right? This happens all the time. Whenever you hear of a quote-unquote hate crime, yes. especially if it's in an academic or a liberal mecca, as you said. If Yes, if there's a noose around <laughs> a professor's door somewhere. Or a poop swastika. <laughs> if there's a poop swastika involved, you know it's a farce. You know it didn't really happen. If, if it happened on, on the campus of a liberal institution, and they're all academic institutions, they're all liberal, or if it's it happened fake. in West or if it happened in West Hollywood, you know it's fake. It's yeah. it, it, your BS detector. These go to eleven. Right. It has to be bull crap because mm-hmm. that's not the way the world works. That's Correct. number one. Number two, if this the, the article I just read in the New York Times is not only diminished. But there's no venom at all. There's no outrage. Can you imagine if a conservative had done yeah. the same thing? A conservative commentator, a YouTube conservative star, an internet conservative star. Controversial. Or, or controver- controversial. All right, well, conservative. That, that would be the best you would get. Controversial is the best you would get. <laughs> um, you know, and I know that because you know I, I I've gone from. Uh, Matt Lauer called me controversial to, um, what was the next? Oh, the first time I was on Matt Lauer, I was conservative, so everyone could know that I was a whack job. Second time, I was controversial. So now, that, I thought you were a rogue activist. That wasn't that wasn't the Today Show. That was, an, oh. that, was an, that was an article that was written a few months ago. Rogue activist. I can't keep up. All right, anyway, the point of this is no venom. When somebody on the left, it, it's, all, it's like a sympathy thing. Oh, well. It could have happened. Well, not only could it have happened, but even if it didn't, 
you know, he's still bringing up a a larger point that, you know, this could have happened. So therefore there's some value in making the claim anyway. And even if it's kind of wrong and sleazy to do it that way, well, the pressure of being gay just makes you do crazy things. And let's just pretend this didn't happen and let's brush it aside and let's get him help. Let's get him help and get him back into the game because, you know, we think he needs some kind of a settlement from the police. (laughs) Well, it was it was very insensitive of them to actually point out that he had no injuries and then to charge him with making a false claim that he was beaten up outside of a gay bar in West Hollywood because he's gay. Two million. Come on, Two million. people. People, seriously? Come on, we believe such bullcrap in this country now. Routinely. All right, it's 4th of July when we come back. We'll talk about that on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.